I just loved last weekend. I got the chance to be out there and really see the, the beginning of the fulfillment of all that we've been dreaming about, all that we've been planning for kind of come to be, which is a pretty cool moment. And there were a, a hundred adults and 38 kids last weekend, which was a pretty cool way to start. And lots of new faces showed up, which is what we've been praying for and believing God for. People came who were personally invited by somebody and others came who received our flyer in their letterbox and hadn't been to church for years and years, decided they would come and have a look and got connected in. That's the answer to prayer. It's awesome that about 70 or so people from our church went out there to help make it happen, but it's so much more exciting that new people showed up because that's the heart of the whole thing. And uh, so it's pretty, pretty cool. And I got to share the first message with them. But before I tell you a little bit about what I shared, I want to thank you all for your partnership in the vision. I want to thank you for your faithful prayers. I want to thank you for your financial contribution to back the vision, to reach out into that part of Christchurch and to see people come to find hope in Jesus Christ. I want to say thank you to you for your huge part in that. So I got to share a prophetic message with Selwyn last week, and I'm not going to be sharing it here until October the 7th, uh, just to give God time to tidy it up a little bit. No, that's, that's not why. That's not why. We're in a series at the moment. But I want to give you just a little bit of a sneak preview or a glimpse of kind of what God has laid on my heart that I'll share with you on October the 7th. God revealed to me that we are not as a church moving into a new season. Seasons come and seasons go. What we are in right now will not go away. We are not in a new season. We are in a new era. It is quite different. We will never go back to being who we were before. We are now a church in two locations. The word is being preached twice in two locations. On, no, once in two locations on a Sunday. Worship will be in two locations on a Sunday. The community will gather in two locations on a Sunday. This is not a season. We're not going to have a peak and then we're going to fizzle out. This is a new era for our church. We will never look the same again. It has changed. Even the front row has changed this week. This week alone, I said to Tim and to Julia and some of the team, see you on Tuesday, which is a weird thing to say because normally I'd say see you Sunday morning. We are in a new era. We are not in a season of change. And you're going to hear a lot about what are the distinctives of a new era. So on October 7, I tell you that because I want you to come back. October 7, I'm going to give you the distinctives of what I believe God has said is for us in the new era. We're in exciting days as a church. And so I want you just to be into everything and a part of everything. Uh, I felt God say to me, um, as we come to this time, that he is going to grow us again so we can go again. Who's excited about that? So we're going to fill up. God's going to grow La Vida again so we can go again because God has put us as a church on mission and mission is at the forefront of everything that we do. But there are some things that will cross over with us from one era to another. It's not like everything's different. Just some things are different. Some emphasis has changed. Some new things come, but some old things stay because there are some foundations that we want to take from one era to another. God talks about one generation to another. There are things that stay as a part of who we are, but there are also some exciting new things that God has put on our heart for us as a church. See, the why does not change in a new era. Perhaps the how does, but the why does not. The why is so important and has not changed. David started, David Bennett, our associate pastor, started our series last week on knowing God. It's a three-part series, knowing God, loving people, changing lives. The, the why has not changed. 
He started last week with, we are a church on mission. I hope you've got that in your heart, if you're part of us, that we're a church that's going to go after everything God puts before us. We believe there is more for us. We believe there are people that we are yet to reach. And we are going to be a church that lives on mission and has Matthew 28 burning in our hearts. That wherever we go, our desire as the people of God would be to reach people with the truth of who Jesus is. The why has never changed. God hasn't changed the why, so we won't be a church that changes the why. The medium and how we do it might change, but the why will never change. It'll go through every era of church and church history. Matthew 28. It's because of the Great Commission that we've launched the second location. And God willing, we will launch some more. I felt again this week, God placed that in my heart. Go again, grow again. And I can't shake the sense of the promise of God that lies within that. Our mission statement is that we run ministries through. As we've started a second location, here's the lens to help people know God. To love people in a way that they feel that they belong to the family of God. We've sung about being children of God this morning. And that they would along the way have their lives changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That location gives us the chance to do that and offer that to more people. So David spoke on knowing God last week. So this week, I get to speak to you on the importance of loving people. Next week, however, we're going to take a break from the series. And our friends at Edge Church in Adelaide, who gave us the Pathway book, that's where that came from, right now in Adelaide, they're preaching a message in their church to our church. And they're recording it. And I was on an internet call with them during the week, and they said, I don't know of any other church that's ever done it. It's innovative in the sense of he doesn't have to fly to Christchurch and stand in our pulpit to preach to us. Their church is going to preach to our church. Their church is super excited about that. They're doing a message we've asked them to do, and they're going to preach a great message. We're going to show that over both locations next weekend. So that's pretty exciting because it's innovative, and uh, we're building a great relationship with the Edge Church in Adelaide. They now have, I think, five campuses. They've just launched one in New York City, which is very exciting for them as a church. But this week, I want to launch into loving people. It's a message that's dear to my heart because it's my story. The reason that I'm in the church, the reason that I'm alive, the reason that I survived my teenage years, the reason that I came to be a pastor on staff, the reason that I came to lead the church was all because people grabbed a hold of me and loved me regardless of how difficult that process and that job really was. I didn't get my life transformed in order of our mission statement. I got transformed by loving people first and it was out of that that I came to know God and then eventually have my life changed. And who knows, that was a long, lengthy process that God had to take me on. Our church has a grace upon it to welcome in people who are searching, people who are hurting, people who are broken, and people who are just flat out lost in life. Don't we have a grace on us as a church? I totally believe we do. It's who we are, and it's who we will continue to be. And from one era to another, we will continue to be a church who will welcome in the hurt, the broken, and the lost. They will be welcome in this place. They are welcome to belong. They will sing songs like we've just sung, I am a child of God, and know the truth of it, because people chose to love on them and accept them and welcome them into our midst. That will not change in the new era. That's who we are as a church. Let's have a look at Colossians 1, verse 3 to 10. I know David read it to you last week, and then I want to bring some things out of it. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which came, come from your obedient hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. 
The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere, everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. It's a good verse, eh? Verse 5 says, Your faith in Jesus and love for God's people will come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. When we have a confident hope in eternity, I mean, when you really know in your heart that you have been saved and eternity is real, when you know that heaven is a real place, my salvation has given me total confidence that I've been rescued from eternity, separated from God, and now I live in a relationship with God that I was created for. When you know in your heart that eternity is real, it's a game changer. It gives you a confident hope. And you know, I, I, as I was pondering this, I thought, Lord, please never allow the hope that I have in eternity ever wane or ever just become so known or ever just be a head thing. Let it be a heart thing that I would walk in total confidence in my, eterni- my eternity with God. And I feel like I'm saying, Holy Spirit, would you refresh that in our church? Would you refresh that in every heart? Would that be true for us that we would have a hope and a confident hope in eternity? See, when I truly have this hope, when I truly know where I'm going when I die, I genuinely breathe in and out from a place of rest. In other words, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what's going on, I always have hope that at the end I will spend eternity with God and it will be perfect. See, I can walk through a lot, and we have walked through a lot this year. A lot of you have walked through a lot. We've journeyed with some of you. Paul and Kathy have journeyed many, many stories with many of you of hurt and pain. But here's the great news, that even in the midst of hurt and pain, we have a confident hope in eternity. And many people don't have it. And many people walk through the same stuff that you walk through and the pain that you walk through, and they are in a hopeless situation. When we truly understand and work from that place of rest, it gives us a radical desire to help others find that same peace and that same rest. Look at Psalm 62, verse 1 to 8. Psalm of David, it says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence... Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is the rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him. Now, He's speaking to you and me this morning. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Wow. You can walk through some stuff and no rest in God because of the eternal hope and the rock that your salvation is planted upon, Jesus Christ. Who has great hope in that? 
And we've got to hold on to this when we walk through dark times. But there are people in our lives and in our world who are walking through pain and are walking through hurt and are walking through disappointment and they have no hope. But guess what? You have hope. You carry hope. You carry eternity in your hearts. When you know Jesus has saved you, you know the firm footing you have because he's the rock of your salvation. That is not information that we lock up and keep in our hearts and never share. That information we let out. We allow God to place a desire in our hearts for others to know the truth that we know. If I genuinely believe that Jesus Christ will return again, if you genuinely believe that, we only have from now until then to tell as many people about Jesus Christ as we can. Nobody knows the day or the time or the hour when Jesus will return, but you know that he's going to return. You know that you're going to spend eternity with God. It's not playtime. This is serious stuff. And I know you know it in your heart. But I just want to revive the mission of hope within you today. That you carry a hope. And if we truly believe that there is a day coming where it will all be judged and the day will be done, I want to tell as many people as I can about the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you do. That got a great amen. <laughs> but I believe we need a fresh move of the Spirit upon our hearts to love people enough to move us to action. We need a move of the Spirit. We need Him to touch our hearts afresh with this hope so that we are moved to action. We read in Colossians, the good news is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. If the gospel, the good news, truly has the power to change lives, we must get the good news to those who desperately need to hear of it. But just willing it to happen may not be enough. Knowing it's the right thing may not be enough. Praying that the good news would get to people may not be enough. Having a conviction that it's the right thing to get the good news to people may not be enough. Because it may, those things may never move us to action. Listen, I know that fitness is good for me. But that understanding has not moved me to do anything about it. I think David made a fitness joke last week, didn't he? I thought I'd just follow on. Mine's not as bad as his. He's never gone back, I don't think. Knowing it's maybe just not enough. Praying that I get fit. Mm. If only that would work. May just not be enough. Even having a conviction that it's good for me may not be enough. Knowing the truth, knowing that there's a good news, knowing that God wants to reach people may just not be enough. If that's true, then what will do it? If my will may not be enough, my knowing, my praying, and my conviction is not enough, then what will do it? What will cause me to move to action? These things on their own are not enough. What is missing? It's obvious where I'm going to go this morning. Love is what would be missing. See, love is the key to it all. Love is what moves me from a place of knowing to a place of action. Love is why God sent Jesus to the cross to die in our place. Love is why Jesus suffered a violent death upon the cross so that we could know freedom. Love is what moves us to action. Love is what takes me from being a selfish person to a selfless person. It takes me from being all about me and what I need and what I want and what I desire. The love of God takes me now to helping others and desiring to help others. It makes me selfless. It turns me about face. 1 Corinthians 13 
verse 1 to 3. Read this and listen to this in the terms of what I've just said. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. In other words, I can do all manner of things in the activity of faith, but if I do not have love, I gain nothing. I can be a giver who sacrifices. I can be faith-filled to move mountains, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. I'm wondering if you're seeing it this morning. Love is what moves us genuinely to action. Love is what moves the heart of God. Love is what gives us our authority. Love is what will reach beyond someone's circumstances and touch their heart. Love is what will give you the open door to speak to somebody about Jesus Christ. Love is what will cause them to wonder what is different about you. Love is what's going to show Jesus Christ the most. Because God is love. And so loving people is going to be what makes the difference. The sobering stuff. But I want you to grasp this morning is that love will move you to a genuine action that actually pleases God. So how can I get this kind of love? I'm pleased you asked that question because I want to answer that this morning. In Matthew 22, Jesus is asked a question. Master, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus' response we see is where love is found. Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But Jesus adds a second, and it's interesting. See, Jesus in the first is referring to Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is a passage of Scripture where Moses is really expounding the law. He's giving the words of God to his people, east of the Jordan. And he's saying, here's the expectation of God upon us as God's people. And in Deuteronomy 6, it says, love is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Jesus refers back to the law of first mention where it's mentioned in Deuteronomy. So he answers the question according to the expectation. But then Jesus does something radical. He adds something to it that wasn't found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's incredible. See, knowing God is vitally important. Knowing God, loving God. But the second has equal weight added to it by Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. The way I gain the kind of love that is needed for the people around me is that I've got to pursue God with all my heart. I've got to chase after God with everything I've got. And I declare that over our church, that we will not be a church that's passive, that sleeps, that sits, that waits. We will be a church that leans in and runs into God, that runs into worship, that's hungry for God to do something in our lives. We will be a church that will passionately pursue God in praise and worship and in gatherings together. We will be a church that will go after him with all our heart because that's where the kind of love we need is found. And then we can do the second part, which is love your neighbor as yourself. But we want to pursue God with everything we have. That, that should get an amen. Can that get an amen? Can I get an amen out of you for that one? Because that's what it takes. See, I can go through the church mode. I can go through the routine. I can go through even the rhythms of church and somehow miss a great connection with God. But if I come in with a determination in my heart that, God, I'm going to chase after you, regardless of what's happened in my world, 
I know that I have an eternal hope and you are worth my praise. And I'm going to give you everything I've got. We'll be a church that will pursue God with all our hearts. When I'm finding it hard, I need to chase after God in worship and in prayer. Because when I do, I have my desire for God reignited. Restate my commitment to him through my passionate pursuit of him. It's not just a word declaration. Oh, Lord, I'll passionately pursue you with all my heart. That's what I'll do. It's more than that. My actions tell God that I want you to reignite my life because I will pursue you in worship regardless of what has taken place. I will be found in prayer. I will sit under the teaching of the word and not only hear it, but allow it to move my heart to action. I'll be a person who will lean in to what you have for us as a church. I'll be open, God, to what you have for me. I won't hold back anymore. God, I won't just say I'm a, I love you and I won't just say I'm chasing after you. I will chase after you. I will go after you. And I'm telling you now, the next generation will follow in our footsteps. If we will push on for God, we will see a generation that will rise to want to pursue God for themselves. Because they'll say, if my mum and dad and my grandma and granddad can be that hungry for God, I want to know what they know. I want to get what they've got. And I want to be the next generation that will lift up the name of Jesus. We create a hunger, but we can't just manufacture that. But we can posture ourselves. We can decide, even against my feelings, I will worship God. I told you I was going to sweat this morning, Angela. <laughs> You'll be right. It's a T-shirt and a shirt. It's not that hot. Mm. You didn't say it. I thought about it. Through that process, the Holy Spirit will awaken afresh my love for God and my deep love for people. When I chase after him, the things that matter to his heart will touch my heart. And I will have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a fresh love for God that will lead beyond the fear of man. Or what others might think to a faith filled and driven by love, passion to share the truth of who Jesus Christ, that is bearing fruit all over the world, but now will bear fruit in my world. See, I don't want to know about a gospel that's bearing fruit all over the world and not bearing fruit in mine. I want to know about a gospel that's bearing fruit in my world. I don't know about you. Is that what you want for your life? And I just feel like something's coming in our church. God is going to wake us up to this. We're going to see this place full of people who have come to know Jesus, not because the preaching was great, not for any other reason than they got invited by you or loved by you, brought to church by you. We're going to get to that in a minute. I'm getting ahead. Being in a church, being part of a church who desires to live on mission is vitally important. Being in community with other faith-filled and faithful people. Being in worship and being under the teaching of the word. As often as I can, and my understanding is vital. If I can be there weekly, I will see my faith come to a new level of vitality. And ensure that I stay on the edge of mission, fueled by a love for God that gets channeled to others. We get given stats regularly, and I read them online, and... And, and stuff comes out from other pastors that says less than 50% of your people attend your church on any given week. That stat is true in our church. And I hear the stat and I think we can either accept the stat or we can begin to believe God to turn it around. We don't have to follow statistics. I'm not going to take my lead from statistics. We want to build a church where people will want to be here every single week. And I, hey, we, we, we've got a great church, but we've got more in us yet. We're going to see a move of the Holy Spirit. We're crying out for a move of the Holy Spirit. But you want to be in church every week. 
And the reason I stand here today is because when Jesus saved me out of death and out of my mess and out of my suicidal state, I wanted to be in church every single Sunday and that feeling has never, ever changed. It's never changed. And it's not because I'm a pastor, even though I'm paid to be here on Sunday, so I have to be. I would choose to be here on Sunday because I want a faith, a faith that is alive and powerful and on edge. I want to live like that and I want to give God my praise because he radically saved me. And whether you had a messy life or not, he's radically saved you because he died on the cross. He hung on it and shed his blood for you. So he's radically saved you as well. And that drives me to want to be in church. That's not a telling off. I don't say you've got to be in church because it becomes law-based and legalistic and it's the wrong thing. It should be the desire of our heart. So all I'm praying is, Holy Spirit, give us a desire to keep gathering together and lifting the name of Jesus and pursuing you in faith and worship and believing you to do something in and through our lives, and in and through our church. I have a total desire and prayer in my heart that we would be a church that would get back to the heart of the gospel, that the good news is for everyone, that we would again be a people who would not see Sunday gathering as sacred. People have said that Christianity and faith has become a sacred thing now. It's no longer for everybody. It's just my personal thing. Rubbish to that. It's a lie of the enemy. It's not meant to be sacred. It's for everybody. It's even for the atheist who says he doesn't believe in God and won't talk to me about Jesus. The good news is still for him whether he wants it or not or believes in it or not. And so I want to have a church where we understand the good news is for every person. And it's not just Sundays are not sacred for just me. They're not just for me. That we would desire to see the place full of people we loved enough, excuse my sweat, to invite to church. Last week as we began Selwyn, I shared with you earlier, many new faces showed up because of an invitation. People are waiting to be invited. It's incredible how many people are actually willing from a, news, uh, from a, a flyer in the mail. No personal contact. Just a flyer in the mail to say, I need to get to church. There is power in an invitation. There is more power in a personal invitation. In fact, last weekend, somebody invited a workmate to come to church out at Selwyn, having never invited them to come here, invited them to come to Selwyn, and they came and brought two friends with them, came to church. People are waiting to be invited. He didn't know. He didn't know they even wanted to come to church. She just happened to ask him during the week, what church do you go to? And he said, oh, well, we're starting a new one. Why don't you come? And she came and brought someone else with her, or two others. Your invitation is powerful. These empty seats are your invitations. The empty seats in here to be filled again, to go again. These seats represent your invitations, not just mine. But you know what? I can't just tell you what you meant to do. I've got to live it out myself. And so this coming week, I've determined two people I'm going to invite to church. Two people I've said may never come. Not sure they're even interested in what I believe. But I'm no longer going to put God in a box and say that he can't reach their heart. So I'm going to invite them and I'm going to encourage you. We're a church of ministers, not just a minister of a church. We're a church of ministers, and so the empty seats re- represent an invitation of somebody that's waiting for you to ask them to come. God's promised it. I'll fill you up so you can grow and go again. Mission. It's our faithful obedience through our knowing God and loving others that will see this place overflow with new people. It's those who are here at Levita saying yes to being on serving teams. Here comes the, the hook or the catch. If you were looking for one this morning, let me just tell you this is it. Serving teams, signing up to make Sundays great, to make this the most incredibly welcoming, 
an inviting place that the moment someone enters the property, they feel loved and they feel like they belong. If you're looking for the heart behind the catch, that's the heart for why we want people on serving teams, want people on welcoming teams, want people on car parking teams, is so people feel like this is a place where people care about me. Whether I believe what they believe or not, I know they care. To help set an atmosphere of faith and participation that continues to bring life to our church. That's why we ask some of these guys to fill the front row this morning. Come on, be front row people. Lean in, be a part of it, be a participator. Get stuck in worship God with everything. Let's create an atmosphere of faith. Let's that be all of our job descriptions. That I will come to church and passionately pursue God and set an atmosphere of faith. People will walk in, they'll know there's something different about being here. There's something that I've walked into here. These people genuinely believe what they're talking about. You know, we used to, I'm going way off script, so I'm going long, but I, I don't do it often, so I'll get in trouble next week, Jono. I feel like we, we said evangelism has become friendship evangelism. And that transition maybe 10 or 15 years ago where people got onto this idea of friendship evangelism and it's genuine. But we did the friendship bit maybe without the evangelism bit. So we got really good at doing the friendship but never told them about Jesus. And you know, I used to make excuses that people won't get ch- saved in church anymore because the culture's shifted and I'm going to now say poo-poo to that. <laughs> We're going to have a church where people come in where the Holy Spirit is present yeah. and they're going to find Jesus here. And more people are going to get saved in here than out there now. I'm going to declare it. But it's going to take your invitation to bring them to church. More people are going to find Jesus. Because we're gathered together. When we gather together, the Holy Spirit is there. There's something electric when God's people get together and worship Him. I'm going to believe that our Sundays will be full of people getting saved. And God willing, this baptismal pool will be full of people getting baptized. And we'll have to do it in worship because we don't have enough time in our service to baptize them all. So we've got to do it during worship. That's what I want to see. And so I'm just revealing my heart to you this morning. If it's a message on loving people, we're going to love people enough to get them in the presence of God and see them have an opportunity to find Jesus. That's the core in my heart. I know it's the core in many, many of our hearts here as a church. If you're not on team currently, you're not serving in any way, can I encourage you? There's an opportunity for you. This is not a legalistic thing. It's just an opportunity for you to help participate and set an atmosphere of faith. And it's not just, well, I'll be in church once every six weeks. No, no, I'm a part of this church, and I want to be on a serving team. If that's you, Ange Smith, where are you? Can you stand up, you beautiful lady? Can you stand up? That's Angela Smith, who looks after our volunteers so wonderfully. You can talk to her, and she'll find a place for you to serve in our church. Or you can go out to Church Life Station and sign up, remembering that the heart is that people would come in and feel like they belong and that they're loved. And this is not just for the over-40s to sign up. We want young people signing up to serve God and set an atmosphere of faith. It's not just a new era for some of us. It's a new era for all of us as we move into what God has for our future. I want to get on to the October 7th message, but I'm meant to be preaching on loving people. (laughs) Determination is not always enough. Inspiration from vision casting is good, but it's not everything. What makes the difference is when the Holy Spirit shows up. Touches our hearts, speaks to us gently in our ear. And I'm praying you'll hear his voice this morning, not just mine. Reveals deep truth to us that brings us to a place of breakthrough and a place of belonging. The enemy wants you to stay passive. He desperately wants you to be uncompliant with the mission of Jesus Christ. He wants you to find a reason why you can bail out on a message like this today. He was just loud and sweaty and mean. He just went on about this and that. the, The enemy wants you to get passive. 
And he wants you to find a reason to bail out on the mission. Oh, it's pretty scary stuff when we've got to reach people with the truth of who you're not. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, it's not. Because perfect love casts out all fear. The fear goes. All of a sudden, a confidence and a boldness comes upon your life. He wants you to be passive. He wants you to be uncompliant. But I declare that we will be compliant with the Great Commission. That we will be a church that lives on mission, who is not passive, but is awake to what God is wanting to do in the earth. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're awesome. The enemy wants you to stay passive. Come on, we're going to be on mission. He wants you to doubt your abilities. He wants you to second-guess your commissioning. But if you're saved, you're enlisted and commissioned by God to reach others. And with that comes authority. And with that comes boldness. And with that comes confidence of the hope you have in eternity. And they may curse you, and they may mock you, and they might totally disregard your testimony and what you have to share. But it will not stop you from being a representative of Jesus Christ in the earth. Not just a church attender, but the church. Willing to represent Jesus. He'd have you think you've got nothing to say, nothing to give. But I'm believing today that the Holy Spirit in just a few moments would set some people free. The Holy Spirit would set you free from the lies of the enemy and the fear of man. When the Holy Spirit touches your heart and fills you with love, perfect love casts out all fear. And I'm going to believe that the fear of man is going to go. I'm going to believe that the excuses and the worries and all the fear around it is going to disappear. The Holy Spirit's going to show you that you have more than you realize you have. And the enemy, if you don't think you've got anything, then the enemy's been lying to you for far too long. I'm praying that he would put words in our mouth with a fresh fire. Fueled by love. Worship team, you better come back and join me. Holy Spirit would put a fresh fire in our hearts and words in our mouth. Listen to Revelation 12, and I am coming to the end, I promise. Verse 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We will not allow the accuser of God's children to hold us back anymore. We have overcome him with the blood of Jesus Christ. He has purified us and he has set things right with God. Did you get this? He's been overcome with the blood of Jesus. Jesus defeated the enemy. He's that we've overcome him. We are victorious. He is defeated. He cannot lie to you anymore. The blood of Jesus has made you right with God. You are not a filthy, rotten sinner covered in dirty rags. You are purified and made righteous before God. Jesus made sure of it on the cross by shedding his blood for you and me. And we need to understand this afresh as the church. The blood of Jesus Christ made it right. He made it right for you and I. And we can defeat him with the powerful word of our testimony where fear of man disappears. I know I've been made right by the blood of Jesus. 
I've been set right with God and I will spend eternity with him in heaven and I have a powerful word on my mouth. It's called my testimony that will speak about what Jesus Christ has done for me and in me. The word of my testimony is what will defeat the enemy. To family members in my family who don't know Jesus, my testimony, what God has done is what's speaking to them that God is real and there is a heaven. They cannot deny what God has done in my life. They still speak about it. Have they made a decision yet? Not yet. But they will because of my my power, of my testimony. You have a powerful testimony. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I declare a new boldness to come over Life Church. Life Church Levita, Life Church Selwyn, I declare a new boldness to stand tall in the knowledge that Jesus has shed his blood. And we are forgiven and made right with God. I declare we will stand tall and in authority to share the powerful word of our testimony. Our passage in Colossians 1.8. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. It's a deposit of the Holy Spirit. Would you reach out to God this morning? However that looks for you, would you just posture yourself in a place of receiving Because even as I've shared the word, I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would deposit in people's hearts this morning afresh your love for them. And in turn, they would be able to express their love for others. Holy Spirit, I release you now just to touch every heart. Beyond just the mind, we want knowledge, we want understanding, but we also just want a fresh touch of the love of God in our hearts. Lord, would you pour that out upon us? And that would be the thing that would stir us to action. Yes, we've heard the preaching. Yes, we've heard the word. But Holy Spirit, what you can do in just a moment of transfer, would you just transact with our hearts? Would you just touch our hearts right now afresh? Would that love awaken within us the great commission? Would it awaken in us, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world? He gave us one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Will you wake that up within us? Would we have a love that was so overflowing that it would touch other lives? Right now, Lord, in this place, there are people who have a lot lot of lack in the area of love. Maybe they've been through stuff in their life that's made it hard for them to accept love, receive love. They've been abused. They've been hurt. Holy Spirit, right now, Would you do a deep healing work in their lives? Would you fill every part of their being with your love? That they wouldn't be scraping, looking for love for others, but they would be overflowing with love for people. Would you fill our church with love for the lost, love for the hurting, love for the broken? Holy Spirit, we need more of your presence in our church. So right now we reach out for it in our church. We ask Holy Spirit she would move in our church whenever we gather. Holy Spirit, where we haven't invited your presence or we've had our own agenda, we say sorry. But from this time on, this new era, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. 
touch every heart. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by striving. It's not by trying. It's not just by knowing. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. So would you fill every one of us afresh this morning? Holy Spirit. We're going to move to a time of worship. We're going to sing the song. What is the song called? Heart of God. We sung it this morning. This is Make this a prayer. Make this an invitation. As we sing it, we want your heart, Lord. We want your heart. We don't just want an inspirational message or a passionate message. We want the heart of God. That the message would communicate it. But you can right now invite the Holy Spirit into your heart afresh. If you want to come out the front, we're only going to sing one song. Or you want to come out the front and make it a declaration, feel free. You posture yourself however you need to to say, Holy Spirit, I invite you. For some of us, we maybe shut the Holy Spirit out. And not intentional. Maybe we've just done it. We've just sort of got on with life. And today's a fresh declaration. Holy Spirit, I open my heart to you. Pour your love into me again that I might pour it into others. However you do that to posture yourself, would you do that now? And let's sing together.